We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we are live. It is the Wednesday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. My name is Rob Dosser. I'm joined tonight by my lovely, lovely co-host, Steve Prohm, former head coach at Murray State and Iowa State, and the one and only Terrence Oglesby, my partner on the Doster, T.O., and Fanta podcast. We are, of course, presented by our partners over at Bet River Sportsbook, uh, and we have a lot to get to today. We're going to have a special guest from Belmont. We're going to have a special guest from Wake Forest, and we're going to talk quite a bit about this or that, picking out what we think is going to end up being the most likely outcome in some of the most interesting conference races. But before we get into all of that, gentlemen, we have the Memphis Tigers. They came back out of nowhere after losing four straight games to really beat up on Alabama. Steve, that's your alma mater, right? Are you, are you okay with that, with Memphis going out there and beating up on Alabama like that? Yeah, well, Nate Oates is doing a phenomenal job. I got a chance to go down there this fall, and and obviously tough loss, uh, but, you know, six in the country, terrific start for them. You know, you look at Memphis, that was a game they probably had to get, you know, three of those four losses by nine points. Uh, but Memphis is a really, really hard place to play. The FedEx Forum is one of the toughest places to play. They love their basketball there. They love their Memphis Tigers. They love their Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, but a terrific, terrific win. And when you really dive into the box score, you look at 20 assists last night. I think that's huge for Memphis. Rotation was shortened. And I think another big, big key is only 12 fouls. They only fouled Alabama 12 times last night. Alabama only shot 12 free throws. And obviously that guard core, the three-headed monster, kind of lethal weapon three back in the day with Georgia Tech. Shackleford, Quinterly, and uh, and J.D. Davidson averaged 43, 44 points. They only scored 30 the other night. I love that reference, Lethal Weapon 3. That, that's got to be one of the all-time great nicknames for any college sports. Uh, I grew up on Oliver, Scott, and Anderson, you know, going to high school up in North Georgia. Man, that was that. that was, those guys were good. Yeah. Uh, T.O., Steve said something really interesting there. He mentioned they shortened the rotation, and we were texting about this a little bit last night. Amani Bates did not play for the final 15 minutes of that game. I think overall, I'm looking at the box score right now, he only played 15 minutes in total. He was one for six from the floor. He finished with six points. He had three turnovers, one assist. Uh, It was kind of, to be honest, something close to a quintessential Amani Bates game from the performance that he had when he was actually playing. Uh, Is it a hot take to say that Memphis is a better basketball team right now when Amani Bates is not on the floor?
You're on mute, T.O. Am I on mute? I'm sorry. Am I not on mute anymore? My bad. Right, take, take two. Take yeah, two. Take two. My bad. Take two. Take two on the live broadcast. That's on me. That's on me. All right. Sorry. But I, I will just say got, this. You have no more timeouts now. You're I got out. no more. You might as well tee me up. Tee me up. Uh, no, I will say this. Imani Bates, obviously, we were talking about you take him out of this game, you probably fix some things because there's a big difference. And, Coach, you'll agree with me. There's a big difference between being really, really talented and being really talented and doing winning stuff. He doesn't do winning stuff yet. And a lot of that comes back to him being a late enrollee. I think he came in after school had been in for two weeks. Like that summer for freshmen, especially big time freshmen that you're going to rely on for significant minutes, it's so important. I, I watched I watched the game and every time he subbed in, there was a defensive rotation missed. And that's most of it's on the backside of a screen and roll action. He struggles with concepts still. And it's not necessarily his fault. It has a lot more to do with him just not being there so much. He hasn't been taught those things. And Memphis is really good at that stuff. And he's also 17. That's what I'm saying. And that's what I'm saying. So takeaways from watching that is like, maybe we shouldn't have kids that are supposed to be high school seniors that are already a little bit young for their age, trying to, to get in the Steve, did you ever coach? one of these reclassified kids like that can't be easy getting a 17 year old to pick up on stuff that 19 year old freshmen struggle with. You know, Taylor Horton Tucker would be the only one. And now he didn't reclass, but he's played his freshman year in Maui at 17 years old. You know, obviously phenomenal talent now playing, you know, uh, a great, great minutes for the LA Lakers, a phenomenal player. But when you look at Amani, you got to understand that there's going to be a learning curve. It's going to take time. And I think that's what Penny's talking about when he says, it's not really calling anybody out, but it's saying, hey, guys like DeAndre Williams and those guys, they have to carry the load right now and help these younger guys kind of figure out the landscape of college basketball because the hardest position to play is point guard and making decisions on the offensive end. And then defense, guarding the ball and playing pick and roll defense and understanding, like Terrence said, concepts. And so if they could continue to grow, he can get better through practice in the minutes he's playing now, like against Alabama – then they're going to be a better team for it down the road. But, you know, the biggest thing, they didn't turn the ball over the other night, which they've been turning it over. They turned it over, you know, you know, 15, 17 times. But they've had some games where they've turned it over 20-plus. But they got to continue to get their turnovers down. Got to continue to win the rebounding glass, uh, rebounding war. But that 20 assists for Memphis, when people talk about it, everybody's challenging and talk about them offensively. When you have 20 assists, you're playing good basketball. There were also guys that shot the ball well that haven't shot the ball that well coming into that game. I mean, shooting fixes a lot of woes, but some of his, you you talk about turnovers. Some of Bates' shots might as well be turnovers because he's shooting them so off balance over contests. It's, it's, it's been tough for him to watch. And it's just goes back to, you know, coach Rob, like, when I was 17, I was a junior in high school, forget being a senior in high school. And there's a big difference. Right. So, I mean, Horton Tucker, I mean, one more thing about him too. Horton Tucker, big, broad shoulders, probably a little bit more physically ready to compete. Physically ready, basketball IQ off the charts. I mean, we left out of Maui. It was like everybody was calling on him. Everybody knew, you know, who he was. And he really – if you didn't know who he was, you knew who he was after that. And you talk about a guy, he can really play four positions for you, you know, really one through four almost because of his instincts and – his ability to play, but this is a huge game for Memphis Saturday. When you look at the non-conference slate, you know, you could say you only lost three games by nine points. Iowa State, you know, handled them really the last 10 minutes of the game and 
pulled away from six points to almost 20 and beat them really, really good up in New York. But they've got this opportunity against Tennessee. That would be a Tennessee and Alabama win. That would carry a lot of weight because when you look at the American, Wichita State, Houston, where are they going to get their other money games that Mm -hmm. can put them into the NCAA talk? Uh, regardless of how talented they are, you still got to have, there is no eye test, which we'll get to later. It's numbers, <laughs> you know, it's numbers. And, you know, you've got to hope if you're, uh, if you're, excuse me, Memphis, you got to hope St. Louis continues to get better. Okay. And win some big games, but Virginia tech, man, they got to come on for them. Virginia yes. tech's got to, they've got to, they've got to do some things that everybody thought Virginia tech was going to do in the beginning of the year. Yeah, they need those marquee wins. So I think that this game against Tennessee is, is not only is it a rivalry game, and, and it's great to have Memphis playing Tennessee. Again, it, it's a very, very important match. But I do just want to wrap up the conversation about Imani Bates with this. Maybe at some point uh, it, it's a good idea to play the guys that went out and won you a title. I know it was just the NIT, but they won Memphis a title last year. But I do want to, I do want to transition here because we have our first very special, extra special guest, uh, coming on the show tonight. It is the one and only Steve Forbes, Wake Forest head coach, will be joining us in just a minute. Now let me welcome on to the field of 68 after dark, Steve Forbes, the head coach of the 10 and one Wake Forest Demon Deacons coach. What's going on, man? We appreciate you being here. I got to ask you this. You were picked towards the bottom of the ACC this season. Now you're sitting here at 10 and one. You got that win at uh, Virginia Tech um, to kind of kick off your ACC season. Did you guys expect this, you know, internally to see this kind of a year out of uh, out of your team? Well, you know, Rob, I don't think anybody ever expects to be finished 13th. Um, you know, I mean, I, I kind of like being picked there until we get really good. And then when you get really good, you want to be picked first, but you know, I, um, no, I didn't, I didn't think we'd be that 13th in the league. We'll see. We still got 19 of those left to play, but, um, to be 10 and one right now, you know, I thought we had a chance to, to, to have a good record. I mean, honestly, we've had some games we should win. If we play right, and we did, and we won those games the way we needed to play, and we had a really hard game last night, which I knew we would, which I didn't schedule. Coach Prone can relate to this. I played Dan Roll 11 times at East Tennessee State. Do you really think I was going to schedule him uh, when I got the Wake Forest job? No. You don't schedule teams like that that can really score, that run great offense, have a great coach that a lot of people don't really know. And so we – and we had to fight for our lives last night to win. Yeah, people don't realize how good of a job that, you know, you, you came from the Southern Conference. We've talked about them a couple of weeks ago, man. There's a lot of good coaches in that league that play yeah. a lot of different good styles, and VMI is one of them. 
that people don't know how good they are and how tough they are to play against. You know, Steve's like football. You know, if you're going to play against uh, back when I was in high school in the 70s, 80s, you played Oklahoma, they're running the wishbone. You, you don't see that only once a year. You're going to have some problems. Yeah. And when you play against a team like like uh, VMI, who they shot 40 some, 44, 42 threes, and they do it out of Princeton, and they do it fast. And you can try to simulate that and practice the best you can, but it's hard. And they're burning and double burning and sun's <laughs> cutting and, you know, it's, it's, it's not fun. And, you know, yeah, the league was like, – I look back one, in 2017 when we won the league the first time, you know, I'm at Wake – Matt McCall's at UMass, Wes Miller's at um, Cincinnati, Nico Medved's at Colorado State, Mike Young finished fifth, and he's at Virginia Tech. And so um, the league's – it's a really good league and good coaches. Well, Talk about some co- fun – oh, I'm sorry, Tan. Let me talk, talk about some fun stuff. Alondis Williams, uh, obviously know him last year's couple of years playing against him at Oklahoma. But just look at his numbers and you see his growth you know, from 16% last year to 34% from three, seven points to 20, you know, three rebounds to almost seven. What, what's been the biggest change you've seen in him? Because obviously you've probably watched a lot of tape from Oklahoma. You know, you had him in the summer. And then to come in and have such an impact as a transfer in his first year, well, what's been the big key with Alondis and your ability to have a great relationship with him? Well, definitely not coaching. You know, he played for Lon Kruger. So he's a lot better coach than me. Um, but sometimes Steve, it's his opportunity, style, play, feel, fit. You know, I'm a Juco guy um, and at heart. And Londis played at Triton for Steve Christensen, won a national championship in, um, from Milwaukee. I've coached a lot of Milwaukee kids in my, in my day. I had a lot of connection to him. Um, I knew he could really pass. I think the thing that everybody talks about is the scoring, but he's a great passer. One of the best skip passing guards I've ever coached in 33 years. He sees that, that corner skip better than most and he can make it deliver it at six, five. And so, yeah, you know, he can get downhill. He can get fouled. He can make free throws. He's hard. He's a hard guard and he's got really good ball skills. He just, he needed the ball in his hands and probably a little bit more. But, hey, man, they had Austin Reeves. And- yeah. That's why I just finished watching Austin Reeves in the Lakers yeah. game making, making big threes because Lon gives those guys a lot of freedom, and he had great guards over the last several years. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think it's anything like that. I think it's just, you know, we needed him. And sometimes it's just, uh, hey, I, we need to come play, you know. And I've done well with transfers like a lot of coaches, and, and um, we're, we're, we're happy to have him. Coach, I wore uh, my SoCon shirt just for you to, to remember the roots of where you were last year or a couple of years ago. But I, I got I got a two part question for you. One, uh, I was wondering, you, you know, attacking the transfer portal like you did your JUCO roots. How has that been able to expedite the process there at Wake Forest? And that, that's obviously something you're comfortable with, correct? I th- yeah, definitely. I mean something I've done a lot of my career, but I don't know if the, that had anything to do with who we got. I think it's evaluation. And, you know, one of the things, beauty's in the eye of the beholder and what I like and what other people like may be something different. The one thing that I like about the guys we got, they come from winning programs and great coaches. 
Okay. Um, when I recruited JUCO kids at East Tennessee State, I went to winning programs that won championships and won a lot of games and had good players. Um, a lot of this is from Oklahoma. Dallas Walton started at Colorado, played for Tad. Um, Jake LaRavia played for Greg, my friend Greg Lansing at, you know, at uh, Indiana State. Um, those guys came from really good programs, played at a high level. And so, um, you know, I think, yes, I mean, I, I personally, I, I don't mind having roster turnover. It doesn't, doesn't, I don't really want to have it every year, but it doesn't really affect me because a lot of my career, you know, I've done it. You know, my first year at East Tennessee State, I signed 10 guys. And this year we signed nine. You know, um, I've had JUCO seasons. Maybe I had two guys back. Maybe signed 13. Yeah. You know, um, so – you know, and I, and I get it. I mean, it's not for everybody. I, I get it. Um, and but uh, yeah, it, it it does. I'm sure it helps in some respect. And your Christmas vacation promotion, where does that rank all time in your list of promotions? Because you're a hell of a promoter. I got to know exactly where where that ranks. For me personally, I mean, I don't know. I think it's pretty tops. You know. <laughs> you know, I'm a Christmas guy. Now I could do Elf. I could do Grinch. Um, I'm a little disappointed. I couldn't find my damn Griswold Christmas T-shirt. I had to go with the "Don't Stop Believing in Santa Claus" one. Um, you know, but the hat. You know, I had the lights, and then I had the Marty Moose uh, mug. I, I didn't have any eggnog, so I put Gatorade in it. Um, but hey, listen, if you can't have fun, why do it? Right. I'm not gonna. When I quit having fun, I'm, I'm out. Um, I like to. I like to win, but I like to have fun, and you know, I, I think that's part of it. And um, this time of year, you know, it's hard for these kids. Everybody's gone. You know, you guys know this. Well, who's on campus right now? The, the players. And that's it. Yep. You know, so why not? Why not have a little fun? Why not have some fun with the fans? You know, and try to get this thing, you know, rolling. Now, is it all you that comes up with it, or is it a group of you guys? Oh, no, no, no. That was marketing. That's not me. That, that, oh, that was, okay. Gotcha. No, no, no. I got – listen, I got my hands full, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I ain't – you know, Coach Pearl, he could, he could do that. He could market. He could coach. He could – you know, he can do it all. I mean, he can take his shirt off. I mean, she, he can he can do everything. I, I, I ain't I – I'm not made that way. I got a history degree. I'm a little boring. You know, so um, I just do what they – I just I just go where they point me. Hey, Coach, uh, Steve, you've been successful, obviously, at a lot of different levels. Junior college, you know, Northwest Florida, a, a recent East Tennessee, but obviously at the high major level, Texas A&M, Tennessee, around some really good basketball teams. Does this team remind you of any of those good teams you've been a part of? Yeah, yeah Steve, you know, I said it early, just nobody – I mean, Dowster didn't want to listen. You know, um, I, I know what a good team looks like. I feel like I've earned that over 33 years. And I, and I, I'm, I'm just teasing Rob, but I, I said it to the media. On her, man. That was a shot in the dark. I didn't know where that came from. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I just like to have a little fun. Um, I said early in November when they asked me about my team, I said, I, I think we got a good team. I know what a good team looks like. And um, we can score, you know, and – you know, you guys listen. If you can't score the ball, it's not very. It's hard to coach, and uh, we can score in a lot of different ways. And we, I think, we showed that when we went to Virginia Tech and shot sixty three percent on the 
against a really good defensive team. Inside, outside, we can shoot threes, we can drive it, play their back to the basket. So, yeah, they look a lot, you know, um, balanced. Like my last year at East Tennessee State, when we went 30 and four, I had eight different leading scores on that team throughout the year. And, I, and we're going to have that. It'll be that way. They'll be close to that this year with this team. So diversity, hard to, you know, scout. Um, so, yeah, I, I like our team now, you know, long ways to go. I, I thought about you. Uh, we played USC Upstate on uh, Saturday, and I told somebody about the Katrina days when yeah. Coach Prom was waiting. He'd have to wait out in the hallway, him and Coach <laughs> Dickerson, until we got done practicing for 900 hours. Yeah. Um, it ain't them. 850. And, yeah, yeah. And, and so uh, I, I, I had a good laugh with uh, Coach about that. Well, well, Forbes, listen, man, I, I know I appreciate you being here, and I know it's a little bit past your bedtime. You got to go, uh, got to go well, get your sleep. I, I have a very important question, though, that I need to ask you. It's a yes or no question. We talked about some Christmas movies, okay? Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes or no? Well, no, 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 no. Yes, no. yes, yes. Um, it's not a Christmas movie. No, it'd be like, um, Listen, Christmas movies like uh, Meet Me in St. Louis, White Christmas, It's a Wonderful Life, um, The Grinch, uh, Christmas Story, um, you know. What are you, what are you watching on Christmas Eve? I'm, I'm watching Die I'm, Hard. I watch I'm Die Hard. I'm a, meet, I'm a Meet Me in St. Louis guy. I mean, I'm Judy Garland. Um, it's what my family, my mom and dad always watched. And so um, I do that. I'll do uh, Christmas Story or It's a Wonderful Life. I'm old. I'm, I'm nostalgic. I'm a history guy. Come on. Um, die hard. I mean, do I want to see people splattered all over my television on Christmas Eve? Not really. You know, I, not. maybe that explains a little bit about who I am and why, uh, why I am the way I am. Well, listen, I appreciate you being here, man. Thank you so much. All, all right, fellas. Take care. That was Wake Forest head coach Steve Forbes, and now we are thrilled to be joined by Belmont head coach Casey Alexander, fresh off of a big win over Chattanooga. Before we talk about that win and before we talk about your team, we just got off with Steve Forbes. I asked him a very important question, whether or not he thought Die Hard is a Christmas movie. He said it's not, and he he actually kind of judged me a little bit for saying that I watch it every Christmas Eve. 
Do you think that Die Hard is a Christmas movie? You got all the ball guys on tonight. I like it. Uh, I wouldn't call it a Christmas music, uh, movie, but it's a good one. It's a good one. I, I, it's uh, it's worth watching every Christmas. How about that? <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. So I'll, I'll give you that one. We're kind of half on the same page, man. Hey, Casey, congrats, man. Obviously, uh, Chattanooga, terrific team. And, you know, following that score tonight, looks like you guys played really well. Um, you know, one of the things, I, and obviously a lot of people know about your big kid, Mazinski. Tell us, tell the, tell the, you know, everybody about, you know, being down there. I went down there this fall and saw you guys. And I know you guys have got everybody back, high expectations. Tell a little bit about the story of Luke Smith. I think that's just an intriguing story coming from the University of South to playing such a pivotal role last year and now into this year for your team. Yeah, no doubt. He's an important player for us. He's a um, guy, he's a coach's dream because he, he truly is the coach on the floor for us. Um, kid we, that we knew about uh, back in his high school days, a late bloomer, uh, but played at a really good Knoxville Catholic team, lost in the state championship game, I believe. Maybe may have won it. He either won it or lost it, but anyway, he was there. Um, you know, he goes to Sewanee and he has two great seasons. And then I get the Belmont job, and his head coach at Sewanee was Mick Hedgepath, who was a great player for us at Belmont, and he comes to join our staff, and that's how – Luke ultimately ended up there. It wasn't part of the deal on the front end, but it, I'm glad that it worked out the way it did. But he's, um, you know, I mean, he's undersized. People, you know, can say whatever they want, but he is, uh, he's really important part of our team. You know, probably the thing that I would, you know, that's the most amazing about him or that could tell you the most about him is he, he's already been named the head coach at his high school next year. Uh, and it's, and then it's not some rinky dink high school. I mean, it's Knoxville Catholic. It's a big time, big time players. And here he is playing his senior year in high school and he's already been named the head coach at a really good high school program for next year. So that tells you all you need to know about Luke. How much of, how much of your job does he do? Pretty, he's pretty good. He, He called a big basket for us tonight. He was on the far wing and he's, he's trying to get my attention. And he was like, you know, so we ran that play. We got a bucket out of it. It was nice. Hey, Coach, your pace in the first half, UTC wasn't ready for it. And I, I wanted to ask you this. You've got one of the best point guards in your league in Grayson Murphy, and then you bring in my main man, Jacoby Wood, who's from my hometown. And then Ben Shepard's come out of nowhere and absolutely been killing it. So how nice is it to be able to push the pace and basically pay it, play at different pace paces because your guards are so good? Yeah, we're fortunate. There's no doubt about that. I mean, all, all those guys can play. I mean, Jacoby's a starter on most teams, and and we don't miss a beat when he goes in there, the pride of uh, Cleveland, Tennessee. You know, he, he, Cleveland, Cleveland High School, that's that place where all those Bradley Central guys wanted to go, right? No, that's not true. It's the other way around, baby. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, you know, they, they're, all, they're all really good in their own right. I mean, Grayson Murphy makes us tick. There's no doubt about that. We've already talked about Luke. Ben Shepard is – probably been our best perimeter player to date and then Jacoby has has got one heck of a future in front of him but the pace is important to us you mentioned that I mean we we always play fast offensively um you know sometimes that turns into being out of control and we saw that tonight with some turnovers but we like to pressure the defense with you know player movement ball movement I'm always curious about this and and Steve feel free to weigh in here I know you experienced it as well when when you're playing at the level that 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 you know Murray State is and the Belmont is Everybody in the country knows you're playing very good basketball and you're a very good team. I think that you look at the efficiency rankings and it always uh, it always shows that. But it's one of these situations where you have one slip up 
uh, during one week at the end of a season. And it's almost like everything that you did during the year can kind of get wiped away. That NCAA tournament dream goes away. How much, how much pressure do you guys feel heading into a season like this, especially during the non-conference portion where it's, it's so important for you guys to go out and get those big wins that you would need to have a chance to get in that large bid. Yeah. You know, I mean, to me, it's way too early to start feeling any pressure about postseason. I mean, there's so many things that are going to happen between now and March. Yeah. We, we do have a schedule this year that warrants some attention, you know, we knew going into it and it wasn't really by design. It's just who we could end up playing. And, uh, and honestly, we always try to play a tough schedule last year. It didn't work out that way, but um, you know, and so, you know, but, you know, I think today was maybe our seventh game against the top 125 team out of 11 games. Uh, we haven't played any non-division ones yet. And so it's been a real challenge, a real grind. Uh, we think about it, you know, we know what it could turn into, but, you know, to sit here and say, hey, we got to win this one, you know, that's that's putting a little too much pressure on guys when we've got 20 games still in front of us. What, uh, you know, being on your campus and seeing your new practice facility, I mean, that is state-of-the-art as good as, you know, a lot of high major schools. What do the Belmonts and the Murray States, this is something we were talking about, have to do to, to continue to establish that respect kind of nationwide to where, hey, these teams, when they're good, they are good. And, you know, we've had a lot of battles over the years and just following your success there now, following Coach Bird. You know, what is it that these teams, the Murrays, the Belmonts, and those, you know, you can see you guys are already kind of headed for a showdown. I know I'm in the media now, so I can say it. You can't yet, but you're headed for a showdown in Evansville here in March. Uh, what, what do you guys have to do, though, to just continue to let people know, hey, we're really good? I mean, Dylan Windler, Ian Clark. I mean, you've had some phenomenal players come through that program over the years. Yeah, you know what? I don't, I don't know how much left there is for us to prove um, – that precedes the NCAA tournament, you know, for Belmont, uh, the next step is to win tournament games and do it. I mean, nobody does it on a real consistent basis. So that's completely unfair, but to do it often enough that, you know, that we're not, we're not just the team that wins 20, 25 games a year, but we're the team that wins NCAA tournament games, you know, periodically at the least, but hopefully more often than that. I mean, that that's clearly the next step for us. Belmont gives us a great chance to do that. We, we have everything that we need at this point uh, to continue to be good. Um, you know, it falls on falls in the hands of the coaches to keep getting better players and to schedule in such a way and, and, uh, and to keep winning, you know, I mean, winning, winning conquers a lot of uh, evil. There's no doubt about that. If you, <clears throat> one more thing to follow. If you had to say, you know, what's so impressive, obviously following coach bird, a legend, a hall of famer, the sustained success that Belmont's had, from Coach Bird's years, going from NAI, transitioning to Division One, and then handing the keys over to you, and obviously you taking it and continuing to run with it. What if you just had to pin, you know, put your finger on one thing? What is it that's just allowed Belmont to have such great level of sustained success? Yeah, easy one for me. I mean, we we have stayed true to who we are for thirty years. You know, I, I played at Belmont in the early nineties when we were an NAI program, and you know. By and large, the way that we play is still the same. The kind of people that we have in our program and around our program is still the same. And we have better players. There's no doubt about that. We have more resources than we ever had. But um, but we have stayed true to what we think is the best formula for Belmont. And, you know, for me to walk in here and, and inherit a program that was in such great shape, uh, you know, I, I don't. I was really lucky to take, take on a program that's won a lot of games and used to winning. Most coaches uh, aren't quite that fortunate.
Well, listen, Casey, this was great. We appreciate you being here. Congrats on the win tonight. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to an exciting season coming up for you guys. We'll be following you along. Hopefully we can get you back on here at some point again uh, in the near future. That's Casey Alexander, head coach of the Belmont Bruins. Thanks, Casey. Great win, man. I appreciate you guys. was fun casey alexander joined us on the show we also had steve forbes on there uh now moving forward as we wait hopefully to get uh usc star center isaiah mobley on here we're going to see if we're going to be able to make it happen uh with him it's a little bit of a tight schedule with the time that the show ends and his game ended tonight um but until until we get word on that we're going to play a little bit of game called this or that uh which our producer greg waddell came up with um it's essentially, I'm going to give you a choice of two things, guys, and you have to tell me whether or not you think one of those two things is more likely to happen. We're going to start with who you think is more likely to win the Pac-12, USC or UCLA. Prome, I'm going to you first on this one. I tell you what, right now, I would probably say, I, if I had to take one of those two, I'm going to go UCLA. Uh, obviously, this, uh, this first weekend is going to be big when you get into uh, – I mean, UCLA has North Carolina, but then right away when you get back from the Christmas break, it's UCLA, Arizona, USC, Arizona. And so that's a big, big opening weekend right there for those – Arizona for Arizona and the California schools. But, you know, don't forget about Arizona right there either. Uh, but I like UCLA uh, in, that, in that field. I'm going Arizona, man. I know it's a this or that. I'm going neither. I'm checking the third box. Whatever the third box says, that's what I'm checking. Uh, Benedict Mathurin, with all his length and his ability to score, they give he gives Arizona a go-to player, and there's really good role definition on that team. I love the way Coach Lloyd's been coaching them up. Christian Coloco has been terrific. There's so much length around the perimeter. Uh, you know, Kirk Creesa, you want him to be great right now all the time, but I think defensively they're going to be able to pre- – give so many problems to teams around that conference. And I worry a little bit about UCLA because they rely on hard, like making tough shots consistently. And that's what happened last year in the NCAA tournament. They were hitting all of those shots and they were defending. I just worry about uh, the consistency in which they'll be able to do so. So give me Arizona. Yeah, You see what just happened there? Steve? That's what happens. You, you should know this there? by now. T.O. is 100% the guy that walks into a restaurant opens up the menu and says, can I, can I just build my own salad here? You know, yeah. can I, do you have something that's not on this menu that I can order? That's definitely who T.O. is. I'm All the right? only, per, I'm the only person that, in there and have him cook it. Dude, I'm the only person, I'm the only person here that hasn't been on the keto diet for the past <laughs> however long. So like, I'm, I, there's no salad here. I just know what I want, Doster. Hey, look, I'm down. I'm not down. I'm not down 35 pounds like Coach Prom over here, but I've lost like 13 pounds in the last month. My pants are a little bit looser. My T-shirts are fitting a little bit better. You don't get that. Uh, you've probably never been fat enough to kind of have the shirt like rest on your belly when you're just sitting there where you feel it. 
but I, I'm not feeling on my belly. I feel good, man. I'm like <laughs> confident. Okay. You're there not, you I'm not gonna let you, I'm not gonna let you keto shame me right now. T. I'll, I will keto shame. Um, yeah, I would, I, I think Arizona is uh, probably the best team in the pack 12, but the question was who is more likely to win at USC or UCLA. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to throw a curveball here. Uh, we just got word tonight that UCLA is not going to play because of COVID protocols. Uh, the, the, they're not playing the game against Alabama state. We don't know if they're going to play their game against North Carolina uh, and Las Vegas on Saturday. So I'm going to say USC is more likely because what happens if UCLA has to shut down for like 10 days or something like that? I don't know. It's, it's weird times, these. So I'm, I'm going out on a limb and I'm saying USC. You guys can call me haters, whatever you want to do. I'm going with uh, USC in the spot. You guys ready to move on? Well, I do want to I do want to say that, like, I love what Isaiah Mobley has been able to do. Like, I don't want to take anything away from him. I think they're still a really good team. And he's now that his brothers moved on to the next level, like he's showing out. He has been really, really good, and he's a really skilled player in his own right. He deserves more attention. Now, their schedule hasn't been as tough as a lot of other teams, but at the same time, man, he's really, really good. Yeah, they picked up a nice win over UCI tonight, UC Irvine. Who's, mm-hmm. I mean, look, anyone that, that pays attention to uh, to mid-major basketball knows how good that program is and how yeah, good Russell Boston Turner's is. done a terrific job out there. They're good. They're very good. They beat Wisconsin. I can't, who did they beat a couple years ago? Wisconsin or Kansas State? Somebody, they beat one of those teams. Kansas State. Kansas, yeah, Kansas State. Yeah. Yeah, I was good. All right, let's move on to the Big 12, a conference that Coach Fromm knows very well. Uh, so, T.O., I'm going to you first on this one. Who is more likely to win the Big 12 right now? Is it Baylor or is it Kansas? Uh, it's Baylor. I think the consistency in their production around everywhere in that program. And defensively, you know, last year I, they win a national championship – in the offseason, they get more athletic, and I worry who's going to set off the chain of events. And James Akinjo, and when I say that, what I mean is Baylor had 306 assists walk out the door with Jared Butler and Mitchell. Like, I was I was curious who was going to get past that first line of defense. Akinjo's been great, and they're passing the ball better. Two more assists per game this year than last year, and their length around the perimeter with Kendall Brown and Jeremy Sochan, it's it's unbelievable. I had, a, I had the pleasure of watching them play in the battle for Atlantis. And whenever you see that length and how they fly all over the court, man, they're impressive to watch. And, and I've gotten to a point now, I'm just not going to doubt Scott Drew. And I'm not doubting Bill Self either. But I think the talent depth between Kansas and Baylor, and that's saying a lot because Kansas is good. But man, Baylor is talented. And what they're really good at travels every night. I was really expecting you to say, I'm going to go with Texas in this spot to win the no. big ball. <laughs> uh, Prom, who you got? Man, I'm going to go Baylor, too. Uh, they've been really impressive uh, to start. You know, I think the Big 12, obviously, been in that league uh, for six years. I think it's the best league in the country, you know, uh, without a doubt. And what the league's become now, it kind of, you know, six years ago when I kind of got there, it was kind of an offensive league. It's become a really – probably the best defensive league in the country now. Uh, when you look at the teams like Baylor, Kansas, I say Iowa State now doing a terrific job defensively, Texas Tech, Texas, but Baylor. I mean, what he's done there, I mean, you take the COVID year away, I mean, they, this could be – they could be on pace for their third straight national championship or third straight final four. Scott's done a phenomenal job. You know, he lost those three NBA guards. 
Uh, he lost Mark Vital. where if you're in that league and you follow this, you know how important he is to that team. And they haven't missed a beat. I mean, Chachua, Thamba, you know, you talked about Akinjo on the very first time we got on this telecast. They And, you know, Kendall Brown and LJ Cryer's numbers, I, I would say Baylor. And obviously that's no disrespect to anybody else in that league because that league, top to bottom, is the best in the country. Um, but I would say Baylor for sure. Do you guys think that they are the clear cut? Like, is it, are they the best team in the country? And there's, there's no conversation. Cause we, I, we've said that a couple of times this year. We said it about Gonzaga. I think we said it about Duke. Uh, I definitely said it about Purdue at some point. Um, where, where do you guys stand on, on how good they are? Well, it's kind of like I heard the telecast and I said this before and so I'll say it again though. When I'm watching the final four last year and one of the announcers says, did you guys think Baylor was this good? And I, my head kind of exploded. I'm like, this good? Like, these guys are elite. I mean, they are dominating defensively. Um, yeah, I think, you know, because of the way they defend, uh, obviously the way they share the ball now, uh, you, know, you know, it's hard to stay number one in the way this game is now. I mean, you just – your schedule – you can go a week in the Big 12 where you're home Kansas at Iowa State, home West Virginia at Texas – you're going to probably you, – you're 3-1 and one in that. You're probably ecstatic, you know. So, But Baylor, they're, they're the best team in the country right now, I believe. I'm in agreement right now. Uh, the, the only problem is about three weeks ago, I thought Gonzaga was the best team in the country. And then Duke beats them. And I'm just like, who in the world puts up with Duke? And then they lose at Ohio State, and then Purdue goes on their little run. Like, this season, Coach, I think I've said this is the best team in the country about six different teams, seven different teams. Now – I didn't have that mindset going into it whenever I watched Baylor play the battle for Atlantis because they weren't that touted yet. But gosh, the way they moved and the the way they recovered on everything, those second and third rotations. Coach, you know, everybody's good in college for about two, maybe three rotations. Baylor's good for four or five. And the fact that everybody they have can switch one through five. I mean, not consistently with Flo Thamba maybe, but Jamwa Chachua, whenever he does, he can stay in front. Yeah. But defensively, unbelievable yeah that's there, what there's they, no discipline on that end yeah you know it, it's it's the everybody's always in the right spot and, and i my favorite part about that is how how long did was the running joke like uh scott drew can't coach he doesn't know how to coach defense and and he doesn't know what he's doing on that end of the floor and they were like they were a zone team for forever yeah. right like playing that like one one three like whatever it is so um, we do have another special guest here. We were able to uh, get Isaiah Mobley to come on. Adjust. Okay, so he's not actually in the room. He was in the room, and then he just left. So uh, we're going to move on. We're going to ask the next question for um, this or that. We're going to go to the Big Ten. And, T.O., I'm going to tee you up first on this one. Uh, who is more likely to win the Big Ten, Purdue or anybody else? The Big Ten's really good, but I think Purdue has so many mismatches at every position that they can attack you any given night in a different way. So I, I, what I mean is Travion Williams, you throw it to him, he can have 25 and 10. Zach Eady, if he overwhelms people, he can be really good. I think Jaden Ivey is the best athlete in that conference. I don't even think it's close. Uh, you know, point guard play has obviously been an issue against Rutgers. I don't think it's going to be something that carries on because – I have a lot of faith in Coach Painter. I think he's going to help them figure that out. And, you know, the combination of all that talent plus Coach Paint, I'm going Purdue. 
But Purdue's phenomenal. There's no question about it. Uh, really good. Obviously, six, seven guys back, average double figures. Their chemistry's terrific. Terrence touched on the point guard play. But it seems to me, I mean, the Big Ten is, I mean, it is good. And when you got look at teams like Michigan State, you know, Ohio State, Illinois, it always seems like the Big Ten ends up with a two-way tie or a three-way tie or a four-way tie for their championship because of the amount of teams they have in their league, you know, 14 teams in that league. But if I had to just take Purdue or the field, I'm going to take the field. Yeah, I tend to lean towards always taking the field in most situations, but Purdue is clear-cut. Best team in the Big Ten. I do believe we have Isaiah Mobley here now, so I think we're going to cut to a quick break while we wait to bring him into the room with us. We are now joined by USC's Isaiah Mobley, who is coming off a big night as the Trojans knocked off UC Irvine tonight. Isaiah, what's going on, man? How you doing? Thanks for being here. I'm doing well. Um, happy to be here. Happy to get the W tonight. So you guys are sitting here at 11-0 right now. A lot of people are talking about UCLA. A lot of people are talking about Arizona. It doesn't feel like people are kind of paying attention to you guys sitting here, you know, number 10 of the country, undefeated. Do you guys feel that? Do you feel like you're being overlooked right now? Uh, somewhat, but uh, I mean, it's a little bit out of our control, so we just try to keep on getting better day in and day out, uh, try to keep on winning, and then uh, if we keep on winning and get to number one, I guess people will know about us. <laughs> All right, we got to ask you this right out of the gates. We were talking off air. Who wins? You are against Evan one-on-one. Make it take it to 11. Um, it, it honestly depends on the day. Um, Coach Enfield's refereeing. Oh, um, that means no fouls, number one. Uh, <laughs> Number two, um, I think it depends on the day. Um, my jumper's going. Uh, I think it's going to be tough for him. His jumper's going is going to be definitely tough for me. Um, we got to see, especially because, like, I don't know, I've gotten a lot better over this season, and I'm sure he's gotten a lot better over the seasons as well. So in the summer, we'll definitely get those matchups, um, and we could tell you guys for sure then. Is, does he after games? Like, are you guys able to is – he, is he still watching? Is he still locked in? Uh Yeah. Uh, he watches all the time. Um, like if they're not playing, obviously, um, they play. Like we had a little overlap tonight, so I'm, I I would guess that he's seen the second half. Um, and then I obviously watch his games. Um, so when we call, we critique each other. I tell him like bring it up. Sometimes he tell me you should have shot this. Like it's like just like kind of like how we were when we were here together. Cleveland's off to a great year. I think they're fourth in the East right now. No, yeah. Isaiah, I got a question for you. you your dad's obviously a coach. Uh, you get the pleasure of being able to play for your dad, him being on that staff, but you can see it in your game. I think one of the most underrated qualities about that, about your game, is your ability to pass the ball. I mean, you've rebounded really well. You've scored it really well. How has your dad influenced you when it comes to, I mean, just your basic understanding for the game? Um, no, he influenced me a lot. Um, so ever since I was a young kid, um, he's always told me, like, when I get the rebound, push it up. And then if there's someone ahead, obviously kick it ahead. Um, and then just, like, because he's, like, a coach and understanding, like, plays and, like, why we run them 
um, what we're looking for when we do like just concepts and stuff. I kind of have a good feel of like where people are going to be at, where they're open. And I always had like an infatuation about um, passing. Um, I love guys like Magic Johnson, um, Jokic, um, things like that, because number one, I feel like it gets a team involved and it takes a team to win. And also like being able to that pass threat kind of opens me up as well. So you mentioned uh, earlier that you've gotten a lot better in the offseason. You're averaging basically 15, 10, three assists, 41% from the three-point line. Where do you think specifically you've, you've improved the most? Um, all around, like, I feel like my body's better. Um, my, my understanding of the concepts is better. I'm in better shape, um, shooting the three a lot better. Um, and, like, my free throws aren't quite to where, they want, where I want them to be, but they've gotten better. Um, so, um, yeah, like, this offseason I took very serious. Um, I almost left USC um, going in and doing in the combine and stuff. But playing against those guys – um, who are pros definitely help elevate my game, I feel like. Um, and just like also like learning the game, like learning the pro styles um, and, and learning how I can incorporate them um, into college and stuff. Because uh, it's a little different game, but um, at the end of the day, like objectives, put the ball in the bucket and stop the other team at doing it. So um, I feel like uh, I've, I've like elevated all around and also just my mindset and maturity. Um, that was like probably the biggest thing, um, knowing when to be aggressive, knowing when to try to get other guys involved, um, like playing the, the end game, not just pressing for points or pressing for rebounds and stuff like that. What do you think you guys obviously undefeated right now, but for you guys to make a great run in the Pac-12 and be right in the thick of things to win the league, you know, the last week of the regular season, what are one or two things that you guys got to continue to really focus on and improve on as a team? Um, just, um, number one, our urgency, like keeping it consistent. I feel like, like tonight we came out, um, well, then they got caught up, they got ahead and second half we came out well, and then we obviously stuck it out, but, um, just like not, and then not playing down to the level, like they're a mid-major team. So, um, but like, we can't take that lightly because obviously they're good. They're beating us, um, and beating us like for real, like not by two and four points, like they got up to 10 at one point. So, um, not taking teams lightly and, um, also just like, um, breathing confidence into everyone because it's going to take everyone like lately like I've been I've got it going she's best up the big tonight like the next game it could be Ethan it could be Max it could be anyone on our roster so just like keeping our skills sharp um, because like it's going to take all of us like I know I I had a solid year last year but in the tournament I was able to step up and, and to kind of help us get to that elite eight um, run and so this year if we want to make a further run it's going to take all of us. All right, Isaiah, we're going we're gonna to end it with this. You're shooting 41% from three this season. You shot 44% from three last season. If we lined up the racks right now and you took five shots from each of the five spots, you and Coach Enfield, who wins that three-point shooting contest? Um, <laughs> that's a good one. Um, Coach is a great shooter. Um, I will say if it's today, I think I'll win. Just because I, I practice a little more. And, like, Coach still shoots around and stuff, but he ne- I never, ever in my whole three years here, I've never seen him shoot a three. He'll shoot, like, mid-range. He'll go, like, I'll count even sometimes, 10 for 12, just, like, before practices. And, that, and he rarely misses. But I never, ever, ever see him shoot a three-pointer. So just because of that, and I work out daily, I think I can get him on the three-point shots. Free That's how they get you. Yeah. That's how they get you right there. They bait wow. you into it. Make yeah. Mid-range jumpers, and then they'll get you one day. No, definitely. Free throws, though, I think he might have. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Isaiah, we appreciate the time, man. Thank you for being here, and congrats on the win tonight. Thank Thanks, you, Isaiah. Keep up the good work. Thank you.
That was fun, man. I'm I'm glad that he said that uh that that he would beat Andy Enfield in a three point shooting contest. You don't want a player out there that's not confident in what in, in what he can do. Am I right? No question about that. Terrence knows that he was a shooter, man. You got to have confidence. Let it fly. I don't remember it. I don't remember ever missing one, Coach. That's my problem. <laughs> that's my problem with the whole ordeal. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad that we were able to get Isaiah on here. We're gonna finish up with uh, we have three more this or that questions. To I'm starting with you on this one because I know what your answer is going to end up being, and I know I'm going to disagree with it. Who is more likely to win the Big East, Villanova or the field? Give me the field, and not just the field. Give me Seton Hall. The fighting Kevin Willards, that's a bunch of long-limbed defensive dudes, and if Ike Obiagu isn't hurt too bad, they have a serious rim, rim presence inside. I love Jared Roden. And, Coach, one of the things about – their team that I really like. They got a bunch of long, lengthy, switchable guys around the perimeter. But when you bring Bryce Aiken into that fold, he brings a different element of quickness, somebody who can create off the dribble. I think he's terrific. I think Seton Hall is going to end up winning it. One, because I love their talent level. And two, Villanova, I mean, the proof's in the pudding. Villanova, they've played some high-level competition, haven't been able to win because they have some obvious holes, one being size. And if there's a team that can stay in front like Seton Hall or like Baylor and they can't force rotations, they're going to struggle a little bit. I think Seton Hall would be able to defend them. Did Rob go get his UConn jersey? Yeah, that's – Get that out of here. you got to be kidding. Hey, Goodman said – Look at this. Look at this thing. How nice is this? You can't tell me this isn't clean to you. You need another – you need another – Two months of keto it. to fit it. Yeah, I got it. That, 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 <laughs> <no>. <laughs> I think they gave me the wrong size. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they did. Yeah, Goodman said if I said uh, UConn, I'd get a bonus, man. I'd get a bonus, right? You, you'd send me some UConn gear. But I, I'm <laughs> definitely going to field and, like, touch it on what Terrence said. Seton Hall or Xavier would be my picks. I think as Xavier, you know, gets their, gets their whole group together and gets them healthy and they continue to grow and get better. But – Seton Hall's played well, Xavier, but I love Villanova. I love what they're about, but give me the field. Yeah, it, it, UConn's going to end up winning it, guaranteed. <laughs> Lock it in. <laughs> no, I will say this, though. I, I do think that the Big East is going to be the most entertaining conference race this season because Villanova is still Villanova, but UConn is really good. Seton Hall is really good. And Xavier, by the way, like they just keep winning, man. And they just got Zach Fremantle back. And that dude's a little bit nuts. And I, I do kind of feel like Travis Steele has – did you guys see what he did after they beat Cincinnati? He walked into Dana Gardens. I don't know if you guys have ever been there. Dana Gardens is like the Xavier bar down there. He walked in, dropped $3,000 in cash from the bar, <laughs> and was like, drinks are on me, guys. No, he <laughs> oh, didn't. Yeah. yeah. He walked in to put three k on the bar and was like, yeah, let's go. Drinks are on me. So – um, I do, I do, I, I have a soft spot in my heart for that uh, that Xavier basketball. Program. Well, I tell you what, I, I think it's kind of our fault, Doster, because we've been calling it a three-team race, but we, we forgot about Xavier. Paul Scruggs is terrific. Fremantle is good. Oh What's God. the kid's name that transferred from Iowa? The big man that shot it really well. Jack Nunji. 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 They're, they're, mean, they're good. And, man. It's they're hard, really it's good hard, and it's hard to win there. And it's really, really hard to win there. And you're getting healthy. Uh, I like both those teams. You know, Seton Hall's tough. Xavier, uh, it's a great league. All those leagues are really good. They're all hard. Yeah. And Paul Scruggs might be the lead. He needs to be talked about more. Yeah, he's a dude's a, man, man, he, he is. He is. He, all gas, no breaks. Defense, man, competitive. 
athletic, A to B, free throw line to free throw line. He can push the ball, but, man, he is a willing leader, and he wants the big stage. And like we talked about, he made all the big plays in the Ohio State game, you know, late on both ends of the floor. Yep. All right, so uh, next one. Who is more likely to win the SEC, Alabama or Kentucky? You guys have 30 seconds each on this one. I'm going to you first, bro. I'm not at home. So I can't get my Alabama shirt out and, <laughs> and, and put my roll tide, my put my roll tide shirt on. I don't have any Alabama gear with me. Uh, I'm going Alabama. I'm going Alabama. Nate Oates uh, try to go back to back. He's done a phenomenal job in Tuscaloosa. Uh, I'm going Alabama with a caveat. Here's my caveat. Shaden Sharp comes and they let him play year one. I think he changes some things for Kentucky because he gives them a guard that can get downhill pretty much at will. He's terrific, but uh, Alabama, the depth at the guard spot is terrific. And if Shaden Sharp doesn't play, you're going to be playing twos versus threes because Alabama, man, they just have so many guys that can knock it down from deep. Rob, so, is that what you were talking about, the restaurant piece with Terrence? Yeah. Yeah, he, he's, he goes off on his own path. But I can't even make fun of him now because I'm about to pull the T.O. on this one. And I, you might want to go earmuffs on this one, Pro. Uh, I think Auburn wins the SEC. When they get Alan Flanagan back with the way that Jabari Smith can play, I, I think the guards are better than what that we thought they were early in the season. And you know what, T.O., you, you, you abandoned that take. He predicted Auburn to be a Final Four team back before the season started and then immediately abandoned ship. Like one I didn't game. abandon ship. There was no take back. What are we talking about? They, they struggled against South Florida, and he's like, I'm off. They can't do it. I'm off them. Flanagan brings them a huge lift. He's he's really good. And then and then you gotta have Tennessee and LSU. You gotta keep your eyes on those two schools. I mean, I, I love Tennessee. I mean, I know they've lost, you know, one or two games, but they're good. Rick Barnes is phenomenal. I love I love KD. I love KD Johnson down there at Auburn too. That dude oh, runs yes. on nightmare fuel. He is an yeah. insane person on the floor. Nice kid off the floor. You said all gas, no breaks. Like all gas him too. All gas. Like, no, but you know what he is? He's not only all gas. It's like, you know, in the Fast and the Furious, when uh, when Vin Diesel would like hit that NOS button, right? And yeah. then all of a sudden, it, like they're going like 150 miles an hour. Then you hit that NOS button and you kick into another gear. That's what Katie Johnson is. I love him. There's yeah. never been a more Bruce Pearl player than Katie Johnson. He was so much fun to watch down at Battle for Atlantis because he would talk trash to the refs, to his teammates, to his the people he's playing against to me on the side who had nothing to do with it. Like, and then he would talk to himself. Like he never shut off. Like their energy was awesome. And man, Jabari is talented too. Like high level talent. And how about Will Wade getting LSU to play some defense? That hasn't always been his MO and they're guarding this year. Well, they said Auburn was the second best team down there at battle for Atlantis, you know, Baylor and then Auburn. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. We're going to wrap it with this. Our partners at bet rivers right now have futures up. Uh, it is Gonzaga is plus 650 to win the national title, and Duke is plus 700 to win the national title. They are the two favorites, uh, so I'm, I'm putting it on you guys. We can go quick here because we got to wrap, but uh, Prom, who you got, Duke or Gonzaga winning the national title? You got to pick one of these two. That's, that's, that's the caveat here. I got you, Duke, 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 Duke. I'm going Duke. I'm, go, I'm going Duke because I think they're the most talented team in the country, and I think they're going to be able to put it together. And I don't even know that Gonzaga makes it all the way to the Final Four because I think that Drew Timmy struggles with big-time athletes, and he's shown that so far this year. And he showed it last year whenever they had to play Mark Vidal in, in the Baylor Bears. He struggled against that type of player, and there's a lot of guys like that this season. So give me Duke.
Yep, I'm I'm with you there. I, I think it would uh, end up being Duke. I don't understand how Gonzaga is still uh, the odds-on favorite to win the national title. That seems like something that you probably wouldn't want to uh, bet on at this point unless you are donating money to Bet Rivers. And if you're going to donate money to Bet Rivers, just send it to me. I can find a much better use for uh, for that <laughs> to, to, to use right now. So, listen, guys, this has been fun. This has been the Field of 68 After Dark. We were joined by Steve Pro. Uh, Steve Prom, of course we were, by Steve Forbes. We were joined by Casey Alexander, and we were joined by Isaiah Mobley. For Terrence Oglesby, for Steve Prom. my name is Rob Doster. This was a fun show. Later, fellas. See you guys. Thank you.